This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show, I present to you an incredible author, who has an incredible story to tell. And I hope that you'll stay with us the entire time. It's going to be worth your time um, to listen to the story the, the and the book that he's written, which is called Daddy's Girl. And But before we do, go into doing any of that, i got to talk to Eric. How are you? <laughs> hey, I'm doing great, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, would you like to, I know we've uh, been doing this, uh, what is this, the uh, 23rd. So we've been doing this for almost half a a little over a couple of weeks, but I think it bears repeating. Could you tell everybody what we're doing differently? Yes. Uh, We are streaming the show live video and audio to YouTube, Facebook, and uh, to Twitter. Um, So yeah, lots of places to check out the Great show, Positive Talk Radio with Kevin McDonald. You can check it out on the Positive Talk Radio Facebook page. You can check it out on the Positive Talk Radio YouTube page. You can also check it out on the uh, KKNW YouTube channel. You can check it out on the KKNW Facebook page and KKNW's Twitter account as well. So lots of places to check out the show. Um, or you can just, of course, listen to it on the air or catch it as a podcast later. So you really got no excuse for missing the show. Now. <laughs> you know? That is that is so true. And by the way, I just have a little disclaimer. And the, the guy that is wearing the shirt that says Positive Talk Radio, that's actually my grandfather. Um, so oh, he's okay. much older than I am. I thought actually. it was Wilfred Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's funny you should say that because I, I have been accused of being like that for many, many times, many, many times. And at, at, the, at the old bus station, they used to call me Wilfred a lot. Well, so hopefully it, you never got diabetes. <laughs> nope, never, never had that. And I don't wear suspenders either. Thank goodness. Yes, indeed. So so thank you, Eric. And, and so I hope everybody has an opportunity to check us out in all of the forms that we do now because it's it really is quite a lot of fun. I'm just amazed that the difference that technology has made in our lives and and because way back in 2003 i i used to get i would come to the station and i do a show and eric would record it on well it used to be called a cd now <laughs> do you know what cd stands for by the way compact, compact disc, disc. Yep. and it's there it was a so i've got in my bedroom still i've got a box full of these old old cds that that i still have got to to change this up but a cd is something that you used to put into what was called a cd player and then you would put that in you would uh, they had them in your car and they had them at home and all that kind of they're stuff. still around i, I know <laughs> only if you're driving an older car because uh, now that's all digital isn't it I, you know, it, it depends on the car, but uh, a lot of people still have them in their home and office and cars. Yeah. Yeah. It was very good. Very good. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate being here on KKNW. And it's been, a, it's always been a pleasure for me to be here. I just get the biggest kick out of it. But we've got a great guest for you today. And his name is Michael Schnabel. 
and uh, he's an author, and he is a father, and he is now a grandfather, and he has written a book about the story of his daughter and what she went through and came out. Since this is Positive Talk Radio, I have to tell you, the story ends up really good. So it so it starts out not so hot, but it ends up being really good. And it's about a family, a daughter who gets sick, a family who stands behind her. Everybody works together tirelessly to to make the outcome good, and then the outcome is good at at the end of the day. And that's the name of the uh, book is Daddy's Girl. And uh, Michael, I I'm not sure is is the book out now. Uh, it'll be out in March, uh, so we're getting very close. Uh, it's order, it's available for pre-order now, but uh, it'll be uh, released in March. And so far, the reviews that you're getting are really quite um, quite good, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's really been exciting. Uh, we got a review from Kirkus Reviews, which is the kind of the gold standard in reviews, and it was uh, very very positive. It was excellent and on uh, Goodreads and some different places. So as people are um, starting to get exposed to it, uh, we're hearing some really good things about it. And that's pretty exciting for me as an author, because to be honest with you, family and friends will lie to you and tell you that it's great, even if it isn't. And so um, I like the, um, uh, the opportunity to have some professionals look at it and see that it's um, a book worth reading. I get the same thing as a podcaster. Um, I got family and friends that say, oh, yeah, you're doing a great job. But I can, you can never trust those people to be 100% critical and honest. So I surrounded myself with people who are that way so that they can make me better at what I do. Yeah, I understand. So Daddy's Girl, let's talk about, let's talk about the book a little bit. And it's a, it's a true story. Yes, it is. Um, like uh, we were an average family just kind of going along with our lives and uh, then we had some things that came in and changed the direction of all that and so um i guess the backstory is really that my daughter was uh, pregnant with her uh, only child and uh, started having some problems in the third try excuse me the second trimester and uh there wasn't we couldn't do the tests that we wanted to do because of uh, she didn't she they were afraid they were going to induce labor and it may affect the baby so uh, she had the child, and then two weeks later, they were able to do some more testing, and they found out that she was suffering from uh, stage four colon cancer. It was a very unusual form of it, something seen in textbooks and very advanced. And um, she was given about a 8% chance of surviving for five years. And so we went from the highest high that you can have as a grandparent of having your first grandchild to a lot of drama and, and a lot of um, a fear based on us uh, facing the possibility that we might lose our daughter. That has to be, I can't imagine anything so devastating as a father mm -hmm. to have, um, and she was a, she was not, she was a young person at this time, wasn't she? Yeah, Stephanie was 27 uh, when she had her child. And uh, so this, uh, we were seeing doctors and, and we even asked them at one point, you know, before the um, child was born, you know, do you think this could be cancer? And they just smiled and said, no, 27 year olds don't get colon cancer. Uh, but we found out different. And the, the cancer was really different and unique. And it was also very fast. 
wasn't it? Yeah, it was it was fast growing, but uh, it was very aggressive. It had spread um, uh, because it was stage four. It had gone. Uh, it was actually seen in the liver and and other locations besides the colon. But it um, the doctor that uh, explained it to us and broke the news to us about the cancer said that it was something unusual and seen in textbooks. It's called. Um, uh, it was a her polyps actually looked like shag carpeting. They were so thick and there were so many of them throughout her colon. Her colon really liked to grow polyps. Oh, that's, that's, and by the way, um, Stephanie's going to be on the show a week from Wednesday and we're going to do a podcast with, with her, Michael, and maybe even the star of the show will be the 16 year old grandson. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, when I, as I talk about this story, I want to make it clear to people that this is not a gloomy story. It was very emotional and it was very, very difficult starting out. But the book itself, the story of the book, is very positive. And in fact, when we, uh, when she survived, our oncologist at the Mayo Clinic said, "You really need to share the story because there are so." He says, "The biggest thing that my patients need is hope." And because she was able to survive this, because she went from just a normal 27-year-old mom to a warrior and was able to overcome this, uh, he said, this story needs to be shared. And so we did that. And as I was writing it, I thought, wow, there's still an all, a lot of, there's a lot of oh my God moments in it. And so I balanced it out with some humor and some stories of Stephanie's early life and different things that we had experienced together. And um, based on the reviews, they feel that it was a good balance. So it's not a gloomy book. It's a story really of a family coming together and saving um, one of their own. Well, you know, it's interesting, Michael, that um, we're talking about stage four cancer. And my brother had a diagnosis for the same thing, which was, in his case, it was lung cancer. And Mm -hmm. it had metastasized into his brain. And so he had brain surgery. And it was also, it was everywhere. And he ultimately passed from it. Um, and I have another friend that, um, and his name, um, <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm not going to give his name today, but, um, he was diagnosed in December as, as having stage four cancer and he died day before yesterday. And, um, and his first name is Mark. If, if you're listening and you, uh, drove a bus with us in, in, uh, in Seattle, you'll recognize that name, but you know, it happens so many ways and it can be so quick and it can be so devastating, but your situation was different in that you guys, rather than saying, Oh, hum and Oh dear. And Oh my, you got together and said, all right, we're going to beat this thing. Didn't you? We did. Um, when we got the diagnosis, it was devastating. And, uh, the physician came in and explained what he could for us and then left us alone and when I say we, I'm talking about my wife, myself, as well as uh, my daughter and her husband, Mark. And then uh, the baby was there, too. And they had heard the news a little earlier than I did because I was up in the hospital room with the child, uh, with the newborn baby, and taking care of him while they were going through the uh, diagnosis and, and the information. So when they came back to the room, it hadn't I hadn't gone into shock yet. And so... I'd learned a long time ago in my businesses that as you take a look at a problem, you have to move rather quickly from reacting to it and start dealing with it. 
And so that's what we did. We formed, a, we made a pact together, the five of us, that we were going to stand next to Stephanie and we were going to beat this thing. We were going to find some way to do that. And she would never be alone. We'd go to all of her appointments. We'd go to, we slept with her in the hospital. We were with her in all the operations. We just did everything that we could to go ahead and try to build her strength. And slowly over time, she went from just a normal young woman to becoming a warrior and really owning her disease and fighting for something that was bigger than herself because her biggest fear was not of death itself. It was really the fact that her child was going to be without a mother and grow up without ever knowing her and only knowing her through pictures. And so that really became her reason to survive and her reason to fight. And I think that in life, you know, we all want to fight. We all want to survive. We want to excel. But when you're fighting something for something beyond yourself, I think that makes a big difference. And that's what she was doing. She was fighting for this child probably more than she was fighting for herself. But she had to live to go ahead and give the child to mom. I just want to highlight here that that the the um, presence of family and forming a team and everybody working together in unison, that really makes a difference for people that are going through this, I think. Definitely, definitely does. You know, we've all been fearful of something. We've all stood up and, and thought, what am I going to do with this, whatever it is? And she was staring death in her face. And so just the fact that someone comes up and puts their arm around you and stands next to him and said, you know, you're not going to ever be alone. We're going to be with you. We're going to find you the best doctors, the best research centers. We're going to do everything that we can to save your life, but you will never be alone. This is not your fight. This is our fight. And so we formed that team, and then we started putting together plans on what we could do to go ahead and step forward. And in the beginning, it was pretty easy. We just needed to, had to, we had to make some quick decisions, which were very difficult. Uh, we, she actually had her first surgery probably 12 hours after we found out the diagnosis. Uh, because they wanted to move quickly because it was so aggressive. And uh, we we had tough decisions to make. And because of the, the scenario, because of the fear, we didn't know what decisions were going to save her life or maybe not. So we had to really take a look at the decisions that we were making and make sure that we were doing the best that we possibly could. And that was easier with the group. Yeah, yeah. I can I can only imagine what it, what is it like being the the uh patriarch of the family. You're the you're your grandpa and you just had a brand new grandson and it must have been like a gut punch for you when when they told you about the diagnosis. Yeah, it was um it, we we were all in shock. Uh the most difficult thing happened that first night and that's when um my daughter just looked at me in the eye and said, Dad, am I going to die? And so we have a very, very close relationship. And one of the reasons why our relationship is so strong is because we've always been honest with each other. And so I told her the truth with tears coming down my face. I said, I really don't know. And I struggled with that decision for a long time as to that comment, because I maybe I should have said, oh, yeah, we're going to beat this and don't worry about it and all that. But she deserved the truth. And later on, we would talk about that. And she said that I did the right thing. But that was that was the, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to deal with. And I would submit that telling somebody the truth 
when they're in a situation like that is far better than stringing them along and not. Um, and my brother ran into this, which was nobody wanted to tell him. Nobody would say you have a terminal disease and yeah. you, you're going to be, you may not survive six months. Um, nobody would tell him that. The doctors didn't want to tell him that. Um, and so, and he didn't ask. I suppose he could have asked. Um, but, but, you know, it's important that we understand the gravity of the situation because then we can take steps to deal with it and to yeah. do it quickly. And uh, that's that's what you guys did. And, and uh, it came out in today. I think I'm happy to report Stephanie is cancer free. Is that not true? That is correct. Yeah. After five years, uh, five uh, surgeries, two bouts of chemo and a lot of other things that she dealt with, um, she was told by the Mayo Clinic that she was cured. And the first time we went to the Mayo, uh, we sat down with a great oncologist and uh, he said, I will never be able to tell you that you're cured. And because the odds are just that strong. And uh, he said, but we'll always be here for you. And then four years later, we were in there and he said, we're going to continue to follow you, but I consider you cured. And we were so shocked. We walked out of the room and said, did you hear what he said? Did you hear the same thing? Because it was like he said that. And then then the, he, he usually spent an hour, an hour and a half with us. And, but that was the end of the appointment. And he walked out and we were all like, no, he, did he really say that? And it was it was just crazy. It was crazy. Awful exciting. So was there a, 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 a bit of the bubbly and a champagne and a, and a big dinner after that? We did go out and celebrate a little bit, yeah. We didn't uh, do champagne. Uh, the ladies like wine more than champagne, so that's what we had a little bit of that. But it was just, um, you know, you take this, this is a day-by-day -day thing. You know, in the beginning, both my wife and I have worked in the medical world uh, all of our lives. My wife is an RN and um, myself in, uh, working for a pharmaceutical company. So we were around doctors and hospitals all the time. But when this hit, we really didn't know what to do. And, you know, it was such a shock to us and such. And so we started trying to figure out what to do. And that first night, I was the one who suggested we form the team. But that was my leadership role that time. There was Everybody took a leadership role in it. My wife with her is just a fantastic nurse. She graduated top in, top of her class in college, uh, went into ICU right out of college, which is very unusual because she was that good. And she's always been so good about her knowledge uh, on disease and, and whatever. But when this hits you in the face and it hits your own family, it's all different all of a sudden. And we kind of were searching for books to, you know, maybe give us some guidance. This, these are the steps that you need to do. And uh, we just kind of fell back on our own experiences in life. You know, I knew that we needed to develop a plan because we had to figure out what physicians we were going to use, what research centers, uh, different people were giving us different advice and that type of thing. So we started to put together a plan and everybody had a role in it. My uh, son-in-law was an architect and uh, he was uh, doing everything he could to take care of the child and, and the, the newborn. Um, my wife and I were on the phone hours at a time, sometimes all day long, trying to figure out how we could deal with transportation, hotels, hospitals, you know, appointments to try and get together a dream team. And it took us a few months, but we got that dream team. And uh, we really were very, very fortunate with the people that helped us in life.
because you knew so much and your wife knew so much about about um medicine and and hospitals and the things that go on there did that help you or hurt you do you think I think it helped us because we were comfortable in, in working with doctors and nurses and institutions. Um, we understood the language, we understood the people, we understood what they were dealing with in life. So we kind of had an idea, especially my wife, um, you know, how to deal with the insurance companies, things like that. So there were a lot of things that helped us, but I tapped into our pharmaceutical company. We had an oncology division uh, with Bristol Myers Squibb. And um, I talked to people there and they helped guide us to particular institutions, particular physicians, you know, that they had suggestions about. And we, um, we didn't always find a good match. And that's something that I would tell anybody that's, that's in a life and death situation that's really dealing with a medical illness. You've got to find people that you believe are going to help you and that believe in you. And when we had this 27-year-old uh, uh, daughter, with uh, stage four colon cancer. The first uh, first oncologist we talked to was just had an algorithm that he used for the same thing for everybody, no matter what their age was. So they were 65, 85, whatever. And so he wasn't treating her the way she needed to be. So it wasn't a good fit. He wasn't a bad person. It just wasn't a good fit. So we found a, a younger female that connected with my daughter and understood and uh, uh, said we can get more aggressive with her because of her age. She's young. She's strong. We're going to go ahead and take her to the edge of death with the chemo, and then we're going to bring her back. And that's what they did. That must be, I can't imagine how difficult chemo is, especially when you are doing it to that degree. Um, you're, you're, I'm, I really am looking forward to meeting her next Wednesday because she, she's tough. Yeah, she is. Yeah. And she would tell you she isn't. Uh, she would tell you that all she did was take it one day at a time, that she went ahead and focused on the things that she could uh, try to affect. She tried to say, focus on the things that were in her control. And uh, we had a lot of faith. Um, we really relied on our faith an awful lot. In fact, I was, I was surprised at several things. I was surprised that, first of all, None of us got angry with God. You know, Stephanie never said, why is this? Why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening to me and not somebody else or anything like that? We all believe in God. And we just feel that uh, there, we, we have challenges to grow our souls and to learn from them. And that was the thing that we asked more than anything is, what are we supposed to learn from this? How are we supposed to, you know, kind of move forward and such? But um, our faith was much stronger than I ever thought it could be. But it was also boosted as we went through this ordeal, because when things were the very worst, it seemed like we got the very best solution. This first surgeon that we had, we made a decision after talking to him for two hours that he was going to go in and remove her colon and that he was going to well, actually, he said there were four different uh, possibilities. And the last one hit us awfully hard because he said it may be that this is so advanced that we can't do anything. I'll just sew her back up. And so that was really difficult to hear. But we found this physician, and the next day he was able to do the surgery, and he removed the vast majority of the cancer and gave us hope. And that is such a critical thing when you're fighting, is to have hope. And between our faith, boosting our hope, and the good news that we would get, uh, we got bad news again and again, but we got good news afterwards, and we just kind of kept moving forward until 
the, like the doctor said, you're cured. I believe that in a lot of cases, having something that really, that you're really motivated to fight for, which would be that she was a 27 year old, just had a baby and she wanted to grow up with that child. He just turned 16. He's now driving. She gets to see that. Yeah. Um, it's, and that is a huge, huge motivating factor that I think at times can make a change. Do you? Definitely. Yeah. I, I think that you take a look at, um, people ask, you know, how did this change you? Did it change you? And it did. And one of the things we do is we don't take life for granted like we used to. And uh, it's so easy with everybody. We get into our daily routines. We do our jobs. We take care of, our, we have fun on our weekends. We do whatever. But we really don't think about how fast life goes. And uh, I'm 70 now. And so I'm understanding it a little bit more clearly now. But we don't take life for granted. And my daughter and my grandson are best friends. They are so close. Um, he always teases her that he saved her life. And that's probably true because the pregnancy hormones uh, probably accelerated the cancer and most likely gave us the opportunity to fight it because we started seeing such strong symptoms that we knew something was going on and we went after it. So he's always, anytime he's in trouble, he keeps saying, he keeps reminding her <laughs> that he saved her life. <laughs> As a smart 16 year old, if there ever was one. Yeah. yeah. That's, He's good that's really cool. By the way, we're talking with um, um, Michael Schnabel. He has written the book, Daddy's Girl. It comes out next month. Uh, and I highly recommend that uh, you uh, pre order it now and you can get it. The reviews are nothing short of sensational. And it is a. Starts out as positive, and then there's some some stuff that goes on that's that's negative. But then the outcome is nothing short of miraculous. Do do the doc doctors talk in terms of the miraculous nature of her recovery? Yeah, we had several oncologists that we were dealing with, one in Mayo, and also one at the University of Kansas here in Kansas City, and um, the the oncologist said that she was a miracle. Uh, we went back actually and saw our, our uh, oncologist um, a few years ago uh, from in Kansas City, and just just to go ahead and talk to her and just to see her and relive some of the memories and that type of thing. And she just came right blank out and said, "You were a miracle." I mean, it, it was such a strong thing that the University of Kansas, when they put out their uh, monthly or their yearly financial report, they had a two-page article on her, uh, and it was titled "Overcoming All Odds to Live." And uh, so it was something that was uh, noticed by the community. It was noticed by the uh, institution. And Stephanie got very active. You know, throughout this ordeal, it lasted about five years. And throughout this ordeal, we kept running into other people that were in similar situations. And so she would reach out to them. Uh, she was talking to people in Chicago and all over the country that were dealing with stage four cancer. And some of them were just like her. You know, they were young mothers, they were, uh, or they had family and that type of thing. And she tried to give back and, and let them know some of the things that we had uh, learned and that type of thing. Uh, but she also lost some of those friends. And that was devastating because she knew she knew of their children. She knew their kids' names. She knew the people. And um, they didn't have the same out outcome that she did. And that was difficult. 
Does she feel guilt in any way for that, that she survived and they didn't? No, I don't believe so. I've, we've never really talked about that specifically, but she certainly never brought that up. She feels incredibly lucky. And yet she, her strong belief in God, she really owes it all to God. In fact, when I was writing this book, um, the reason I started writing the book really was because we thought that this grandchild was never going to see her. And there was a good possibility he'd never know her. And when my daughter said she just couldn't handle that, I had to look as a father and say, well, what can I do to help? And so I started the next day, I started journaling everything that we were doing, the things that were going through our minds, the things that we were dealing with. So this child would know how strong Stephanie was. So he would know how brave his mother was and how hard she fought to go ahead and to um, win her battle. And the good news is she did. And so we had this book and uh, at that five-year point, Stephanie and I got together and she helped me organize all my notes and that type of thing. And then I wrote a journal to Caden and that was to him. And uh, afterwards, a couple of people had written or read it and said, you really need to share this. The oncologist in Mayo said, I really need to share the story. And that's when I rewrote it uh, for the public. And then my agent made me rewrite it several more times to go ahead and take a, <laughs> a new author and put him through his paces. And uh, we ended up with something that I'm very proud of. And we're going to talk about that when we come back, because this is actually the second book. Uh, the first the first book is The Journal. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that because I think what you did for your grandson is just really remarkable. And... Uh, I, I, you know, I, I met you the other day and I just love your story. I okay. love the, 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 the concept of family. I think we have a tendency to either our families are broken or they're not together, but you guys rallied around and you, you had faith and you had the desire to make it happen. And by gosh, it happened. Yeah. And so you should be very, very proud of the family that you have, the family man that you are, and that you were able to put it together, and uh, and I really appreciate it. By the way, you're 70. Is time going faster for you? It is for me. It is. I discovered a long time ago that I thought we lost about a week each year, and uh, I figured that out at about 30, and it seems like I lose about a week every year. Time does do move fast, but I keep busy. I'm, I'm happy with life, so I, I am very, very blessed. And you are. And uh, Michael Schnabel is, is our guest, and we're going to be right back. We need to take a short break. We'll be right back after these couple of messages. Please hang with us. Hey there. I'm excited that you're listening right now. And if you like what we're doing here, you're going to love PositiveTalkRadio.net. On PositiveTalkRadio.net, each show, which is recorded live, is packed with positive information with real people discussing real issues and positive solutions that can work for everyone. I hope that you'll join us on PositiveTalkRadio.net and listen to all 340-plus shows. I think it's worth your time. But then, that's just me. That's PositiveTalkRadio.net, your home for great progressive positive podcasts. When you want to say more than words communicate, 
you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey, my friend, I'd really like to thank you for listening to the show today. As you may know, I started Positive Talk Radio way back in 2003. We were one of the first shows on KKNW. For 11 months, I was fortunate to be part of many lives, making a positive difference with great interviews and discussions, creating new thoughts and ideas. Sadly, for financial reasons, I had to terminate the show. Well, it took 18 years, but we're back better than ever. And not only on KKNW Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but also podcasting with several inspiring channels with the same driving passion as the original. Please visit kmmedia.pro for complete information about all of these shows. In addition, if you feel called to keep positive programming on the air, you can join us by sponsoring the show and aligning yourself with our mission, which is nothing short of saving the planet and each other. Again, that's kmmedia.pro. I'll see you there. And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. We've got a great guest for you today. His name is Michael Schnabel. He's written the book Daddy's Girl. and uh, But there was another book, and uh, that book was written prior to this book, and it was written for an audience of, okay, one. And uh, has has uh, he had the opportunity to uh, read the book that you put together? He has. Um, he has not read the original journal yet, but he does. He has read Daddy's Girl. He was afraid to read that for an awful long time. He was aware of the situation. He knew that his mom was close to death and that she had struggled. Uh, and he was a little bit afraid of all that, you know, because he started hearing about it at a very young age. Uh, we kept talking. It took me 10 years to go ahead and go from the concept of writing the book to go ahead and get it published. And so he's heard about it for a while. Um, he went ahead and finally decided that it was time to listen to it or to read the book. And so he and his mom got together and she started reading it to him chapter by chapter. And that was a great way to do it because they are so close and it was an opportunity for them to really not only read through it, but go through the emotion and uh, allow him to ask questions. And, and and she provided more of the backstory and that type of thing on things that were not in the book. And it became really a bonding experience for the two of them. And when he got to the end of it, he was really, really happy, really happy to know the story and was very surprised at a lot of it. Uh, his favorite parts were, were, were him. <laughs> where he was I talk about the baby and how uh, how much we loved him and how much uh, entertainment because the baby you know I talk about this team there was not one member of the team that was more important than the others everybody took their team their their time and and their part in, in leadership my wife would did an incredible job with uh, the medical end of it my daughter just fought and fought mark and i took over leadership roles based on what our expertise was there were so many times that we'd get into these large research centers and i'd get half lost and mark was always our compass would get us where we needed to be and that type of thing and um so it's uh funny when you when you talk to caden about the story 
when I asked him what he liked and, and he said the stories about him, but then he also talked about the life lessons. For me as a, as a new grandfather, I really wanted to pass on some life lessons and this story gave us an opportunity to talk about those types of things. The importance of uh, forgiving people, the importance of understanding people and, and their situations that they're in, just different things that would kind of come up in different situations. And I'd go ahead and talk to Caden about it and use it as a life lesson. He liked those. And he also liked the fact that the story is about never giving up the folk, and, and not focusing in on being a victim really moving forward and taking steps to go ahead and to improve your situation and do what you can. So um, he was really pleased about that. And it was good. You know, a lot of uh, people that, well, there is a grief component to when you get a diagnosis like that. The first thing that a lot of people will go immediately into grief, but because the surgery happened so quickly after the diagnosis, you as a family unit didn't have time to do any of that. You you just bypassed the grief thing. Did it ever come back to to rear its ugly head? Oh, definitely. Yeah, multiple times. Um, as as we went through the story, the cancer, the removal of the colon, really gave us a boost. But then they start talking about chemotherapy, and we're sitting there thinking, "Well, wait a second, didn't they get it all?" And uh, they said, no, 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 the cancer is microscopic and, you know, you've got to, it can be anywhere and we need to go ahead and follow up on chemotherapy, which was, which Stephanie, we were all fearful of. And then once we got into the right location, the right uh, clinic to go ahead and to uh, do the, the right oncologist really, as well as the right cancer center to go ahead and deliver it, all of a sudden Stephanie looked at, instead of being afraid of the chemotherapy, looking at it, that's her tool, that's her, that's her weapon to go ahead and fight back. And so we tried to find good in as much as we could, because there was so much negative, you know, so everybody wants to help, but there's so little that most people can do. Everybody was praying and that was huge. That was a huge deal to us, to the prayers that we received. And we had friends that were saying that their five-year-old was adding her to their, her, their prayer list at night and things like that. And so as we, as our faith got tested, we really ended up getting such amazing solutions. There were two different times uh, when she was going through chemo that um, we had uh, dangerous side effects that all of a sudden popped up. And uh, in each case, we rushed her to the emergency room and both cases, uh, she was told that uh, if we had gotten there a few hours later, she would have died. There wouldn't have been anything that they could do. Uh, one was with sepsis, one was with a blood clot. And both these things happened within two weeks. And so these things really took us down and, and uh, shook us. And until we, we kind of changed our perspective. And instead of why is this happening and why, well, God, we almost lost her, maybe there was a guiding force that got us to that emergency room in time to go ahead and save her life. And so we started learning that as far as our perspective and our attitude towards this. And we broke down, we cried, we had, you know, we didn't know what to do so many times or, you know, there were so many times that we were down, but it seemed like if one of the members of the team was down, somebody else was taking over a leadership role and trying to help us. And I can't under, 
I can't understate the amount of importance it was to, for our family to be together and all fighting this together uh, because we just, you know, we'd always be smiling. We'd always be hugging each other. We'd always be doing those things. And just like Stephanie was fighting for her life, when we got these the bad news and we got additional surgeries and additional chemo, we dealt with it together. And that was huge. Uh, to do this alone would be incredibly difficult. I, and I would just feel terrible for anyone that had to deal with something like this alone. It is unbelievable to, to do that by yourself. Especially you, you and your wife did a great job of, of finding the right people and researching what you needed to research to get it all done. And uh, it's, it really is quite remarkable and you should be really proud of, of the outcome and, and who you guys are as a family. You, you're, you're going to be close together for your entire existence. Yeah. Well, actually my daughter, after she, after she was cured, she said, you know, mom and dad, you're never going to be put in a nursing home. You're never going to uh, uh, have to worry about that. I'm going to take care of you when you're old age. And her husband, who has a great sense of humor, says, yeah, we've got an empty basement. We can put you down there and throw some food <laughs> down there occasionally and uh, watch over you. So, um, yeah, it is. It's good to be loved. And it's a great story. And by the way, the name of the book is Daddy's Girl. It comes out and he's, and he's got a huge smile whenever I say Daddy's Girl. So that's, that's really cool. And it comes out in March. And you can pre-order it now. Can they go to your website and pre-order it? Yeah, they go to my website. That's authormichaelschnabel.com. And uh, they can order it there. You can get it on Amazon, uh, Book Barnes & Noble. Pretty much um, most bookstores will be able to go ahead. And I think any bookstore would be able to pre-order it at this time. Which, which is really cool. And, and I, I venture to guess that with the number of reviews you've gotten that are really, really positive, that uh, sales are going to be really good because it's, this is a feel-good story at the end of the day. It is, yeah. It is not a gloomy story. Uh, what happened to us was, was very devastating and difficult. But as I said, my uh, literary agent suggested that I may want to add some, sprinkle in some positive stuff in between the Oh My God moments. And so I started taking a look at our history and I was able to uh, uncover a number of things that happened to my daughter or to us as a family uh, that really bring out some highlights of some, some funny things that happened to us and such. Like my daughter's first driving uh, lesson, uh, which didn't go very well. She was in the ditch within probably 20 seconds of starting the, starting the car. And so we, we have fun. We had fun. I had. I really enjoyed writing the book. Uh, I would say that I cried most days. It was very difficult to write it, but I really enjoyed it because I put my heart and soul of it, and I thought that it was something that truly could help others. And so I originally wrote it for Caden, but then after that, uh, the whole idea of really coming out with Daddy's Girl was to um, provide some hope to other people. Because if you're going through an illness like this, or, I mean, look at this crazy world we're in right now. Any family you talk to, they're struggling. They're, they're struggling with something in their lives. And to have a story like this that's positive, I think, um, is a good thing. It is so hard these days to manage to stay positive for a great deal of the time because 
just turning on the news can be a, a bit of a negative thing and what's happening in, in our world. So it's a, but it's important. And that's why it's important that you come on positive talk radio because it's a really positive story. The outcome is unbelievably great. And, uh, and I just applaud you as, as a whole family do looking back on it now, because it's, um, Caden is 16. Um, they cleared it up when, uh, um, when he was like six or seven and, uh, um, looking back on it, does it even appear real to you at, at this point? Or is it, is it, or was the difficulty of it so imprinting that you remember it vividly the entire time? I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it did imprint on my mind. Um, when I, that's one of the reasons it made it so easy to write. When I was writing about a scenario, I was there. I could, I could uh, relive it. I, I could see it, and that uh, brought a lot of tears and difficulty. But uh, that was one fun thing about when I was writing it for Caden. Stephanie and I were kind of doing that together. I did the writing, and she did a lot of the organization and such. But she was my sounding board, and she and I had secrets from each other. There were things that happened that uh, we didn't talk about that she felt or that I that I did behind the scenes and uh, didn't really want to share with her that we we then dealt with a lot of baggage. We dealt with a lot of stuff that we'd still been carrying around. And so it was really very healing for us to write the book to Caden. But um, I just hope that it helps people. I think people are going to be entertained by it, to be honest with you. I think they're going to see some humor in it and, and have some fun with it. But they're also going to see, you know, people ask us how we did it. They ask us all the time because we're a normal family. We're no superheroes or anything. We just are trying to do our best. And uh, we did it by putting together a plan and working our plan and doing everything that we could. And we had five people that were working on it. And that child was so many, so often the most important part of Stephanie's team. Because as a family, we were working hard and such, but we were affected by it all. But this baby, this baby was happy. This baby was excited. He had four adults cooing over him and taking care of him. And so this child was a, a, an oasis for us to escape. Uh, you know, it's not as easy raising a child uh, when you're in your 50s as it is in your 20s. And although my wife and I didn't raise him, we helped raise him. And we were taking a lot of the night feedings and things like that. And I tell you what, it was just a pleasure. This this kid, don't tell him when he's on next week, but he was just <laughs> perfect. He just was a great, great kid, always full of smiles and coos and such. And so he really gave us a great escape. You know, sir, I would submit to you that uh, most people that are extraordinary don't believe that the, what they did was extraordinary. And I, I have to tell you that what you guys did as a family, you as the patriarch that was leading the charge and getting everybody together, it's it's extraordinary. And uh, you guys, j just extraordinary. Very kind of you. But it, it certainly wasn't just me. We all had our part. There was every member of the team was was important and did their due diligence. My wife, when when we got Steffi out of the hospital from that first surgery, we uh, had the kids come and stay with us at our home. We had plenty of room. Uh, it was where she grew up as a child, and uh, it was her healing place. And we've got a little bit of land. Uh, we have a tree farm that we work, and uh, so she could. We had the opportunity to 
take care of so much because we were together every single day and we could talk through the things. And if someone was down, we could help them. We could go ahead and pick them up. But my wife was just incredible because she took care of the whole house. She did all the cooking, all the laundry, everything. And she was the one that was talking to the insurance companies and setting up an appointments and things like that. We all had our work. Her husband, Mark, was never away from her. He slept every hospital that she was in, every hospital bed. He slept in a in a chair, and he's six four. It's not. Uh, oh goodness! It's at six five, I think. Excuse me. Oh, I'm going to hear about that. Uh, but he's six five, and he's a big man. He's a big bear, and uh, he was sleeping in these uh, hospital chairs, and but right next to her, holding her hand all the time. Incredible husband, and um, so it. It's very kind of you to say the kudos, but the hero here is, is Stephanie. She's the one that became a warrior. She's the one who uh, oftentimes was the strongest one of the team. Uh, we, we would run across things and get, dis- and get frustrated and have to deal with things, and she always said the same thing. I'm not worried about it. I've got a great team working on it for me, so I'm not even going to worry about it. All I'm going to do is keep trying to get better and trying to heal. But she, she was incredibly brave. And it helped us a lot. It made it easier for you. Yeah, and- definitely. definitely. <clears throat> and that isn't always the case. We ran into other families in which the, the patient wasn't willing to do the chemo. The patient didn't want the surgery. The patient, patient fought them every, every time. And some of those people, some of those situations didn't turn out very positive. And so if you're fighting for your life, you have to do everything that you can because you may not win your battle, but if you try and do everything you possibly can, then you did your best job you can. And let the chips fall where they may. But if you do the best you can and you've got a great team around you, but I submit to you since you were the, the, the father of the group that your daughter, Stephanie, and I'm going to ask her about this on Wednesday when she comes (laughs) on that, that I know that she was incredibly brave, incredibly strong, and she's, she's tough as nails, but there were times when she was looking to you because you were the leader of the family. Well, yeah, there were certainly times that that was true, but I would share that I'm the mouthpiece of the group, but uh, everybody did their part. I'll tell you. And we had so many other people that helped us. We had friends, we had people we didn't even know. Um, we, uh, that they came out of the woodwork and wanted to help her neighbors got together and put together a fundraiser to help with the medical bills. Um, we just had so many people that were reaching out and, uh, uh, sharing love and prayers. And there were masses that were going on throughout the world, uh, over in Europe and in Asia of different people that knew people there and was asking the, you know, them to take say masses for her and such. It was just incredible. The outpouring of love that we had, we were very, very lucky. I think that there needs to be a movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all for that. Yeah, and I think that I think that that would be a really, really cool story to get it out there. And and not only the microcosm of the family, but how you impacted the world in many ways. Because, like you were saying, you were there were there were services going on all over the place. There were people praying for you. So it wasn't just tied to your little family. You became a symbol for a much bigger thing. Yeah, there were a lot of people. Uh, this was uh, this started out in 2006, so the internet wasn't brand new. But um, 
we had a, a young man, one of the gentlemen that I worked with said he had a son who was, I think, 15 at the time that said he could set up a website for us. We didn't even know that was possible. And so he set up a website for Steph and we used to go ahead and put out um, uh, updates because communication got to be a real problem. So many people knew about this situation and always wanted updates and things like that. And things were changing fast. And it was it was exhausting. We wanted to share the information, but you tell the story over and over and over again. So we needed some way to communicate. And so this young man set up a, a website for us, and we could go ahead and put out uh, updates. And uh, one of the things that really bothered Stephanie is uh, with chemo, it took away so much of her energy. She wanted to thank everyone and and uh, the cards that she got, the gifts that she got, the people that were just. Uh, praying for she, she she never felt like she could thank them enough and so that gave her a way to go ahead and put messages out and updates on and, and we had a lot of people watching that and um, a lot of people told us that they drew strength from stephanie and from her story so that's good and and i tell you and when a lot of people will say you know why do bad things happen to good people but at the same time your story is going to enlighten and help a lot of people going forward and um that's that's a legacy for you and for steph and and for uh and for the grandson that's that's gonna be really cool going forward yeah you know it's funny because we bought into all the cliches that you hear uh taking one step at a time um taking one day at a time there were times that we had to take an hour at a time let's just get through this hour let's just get through this uh whatever it is and um focusing on controlling what you can control you know Steffi was never a victim she we didn't need any more drama in our life a lot of that was being presented to us and we just had to deal with it but we didn't need to worry about the things that we couldn't control we had to focus on the things that we could and, you know, it was incredibly important to set up a plan. And it sounds silly, but again, I drew on my business experience that we started focusing in on who can do what. You know, my wife's expertise, my expertise. I tapped into my pharmaceutical company. She started making arrangements and talking to, we have a lot of friends that are physicians and in the medical world. And, you know, talking to different people about, you know, how to uh, get through this and what we needed to be doing. And so... We worked our plan and just having a plan is a positive step. You know, you just feel better like, hey, if we can accomplish all these things, we're going to be OK. And it kept us busy and it kept us moving forward and such. And so um, I can't say enough about having a plan, having faith. Uh, we were so fortunate to have the faith that we did. And um, I never realized how strong our faith was until it was tested. You know, I think that the next little pamphlet you should write is, uh, let's see, what can we call it? I know, I know, I know, I know. I've just been told I have cancer. What's next? Yeah. And then you, you help them. Um, first thing is a plan. Get together with your family. Don't hide it. Don't don't hide it from everybody because it's important that everybody knows and all of that. So that's that's really it is a cool thing. Oh wait a minute, hold on. He just grabbed a folder. What's the folder say? It says living through a crisis. <laughs> See, and, uh, it's it's uh, we're um, we're working on that, trying to finish it up. And once that's done, it'll be available on my website. It'll be it's nothing. It's free of charge. It'll be a PDF. 
And I think there's uh, 17 or 18 pages to it. And it talks about progression and, and the things that you really need to focus in on, uh, having a plan, finding the right doctors, uh, talks about faith, it talks about dealing with stress and things like that. So I'm all about giving back. I love it. I love it. And Michael Schnabel is, has been our guest. Go to his website, which is author com. Buy the book. It's worth it. Got to go now. But thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Kevin. You make it a, such a pleasure to talk. Oh, good. And by the way, take care of uh, you, take care of each other. And because each other's all we've got. I can't. Uh, you've got me so flibbercated. I can't even do that. So. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>